Are you looking to create a loving and safe environment for your blended family? Have you found step parenting to be a bit more challenging than you anticipated? Would you like practical insight for how to better understand and respond to your stepchildren? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Have you ever noticed that when you encounter news stories or even advertisements in our world, you have to give your kids a disclaimer like, well, kids, I know they're saying that all is hopeless, but here's what we believe. Wouldn't it be nice if you could point them to a news source that would actually encourage them to see how God is working in our world today? Well, it is nice because there is such a news source. It's called World Watch. This is an engaging professional news show produced by Christian journalists, and it's designed specifically for kids. In just 10 minutes a day, you and your kids can stay up to date on the current headlines without the hopelessness and hysteria of most other news sources. My favorite part is that every episode ends with this reminder, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. To find out more about World Watch, just go to worldwatch.news slash ginger to access a free episode. Again, that's worldwatch.news slash ginger. Well, hey there, Ginger. I am sure you're chomping at the bit to introduce our listeners to today's guest, since I know his ministry and his resources have helped you so much as a wife and a mom in a blended family. Yes, Katie. As a matter of fact, when Ronnie and I married 12 years ago, when we became a blended family, I cannot even begin to tell you what a lifesaver Ron Deal, our guest today, and his resources were. Other than the Bible— I don't think anything could have better prepared me for what I was stepping into than Ron's books. I am so thankful for all of his encouragement and practical insights that just really helped me to get started on the right foot. And then a few years ago, Ron graciously invited Ronnie and me to attend one of his events, and we were just blown away by the wisdom the Lord has given him for helping blended families thrive. So today we're going to be talking with Ron about blended families, but many of you um, who are in adoptive and foster families will also gain insights into parenting within your home as well. And for those of you not in a step family or adoptive or foster family, we do hope you'll keep listening so that you can support and encourage your friends and families who are. Ron Deal is one of the most widely read and viewed experts on blended families in the country. He is the founder of Smart Step Families and director of Family Life Blended, which is a division of Family Life. In addition to being a best-selling author of the Smart Step Family book series, Ron is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a sought-after conference speaker, and an all of his spare time, he brings lots of wisdom and encouragement through his popular podcast called Family Life Blended. Ron and his wife, Nan, have three sons and live in Little Rock, Arkansas. Ron, we are so excited to have you on our mm. show today. So welcome. Ginger, thank you so very much. It is an honor to be with you. And I'll just tell your listening uh, audience that we had you on our podcast, the Family Life Blended podcast, not too long ago, which was a joy. So it's fun to be here with you. Yes, it's always good to work with you, Ron. 
Uh, so we're just going to jump right in because I know you have so much great stuff to share. Um, Ron, I know it's so easy for couples who decide to blend their families to go into it with rose-colored glasses by thinking, you know, as long as there's lots of love, all will be well. Mm. So talk to <laughs> us about how love can get really complicated in a blended family. You know, I love my dog. I love pizza. I love my wife. I love my children. You know, we've all heard that before. <laughs> well, love doesn't mean the same thing in all of those contexts. Well, we also all have relationships. I love my brother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. I love my uh, sister and brothers and my parents. And well, each one of those relationships has a different idea about what love is, what's appropriate about it. And uh, Gary Chapman, in a book we wrote together called Building Love Together in Blended Families, we talked about these as love associations. It's what gets associated with that love relationship. So all of that to say this, when man and wife come together, parent, step-parent, with children, biological and stepchildren, everybody in that, in that mix has a different idea of what love's going to look like in the relationships between various people. It's just like at, uh, you know, so you put this blended family together and all of a sudden, well, the biological parent Love to them means bear hugs to their kids and uh, noogies and, you know, having fun <laughs> and certain games and inside jokes that only they get, right? And the step-parent's going, well, I don't get the inside jokes, and I tried the bear hug thing, and two kids out of the three gave me a bear hug back, and one was sort of like, get out of my face, I don't want you touching me. Like, all of a sudden, what love looks like in each one of those relationships is different. Grandparents are going to say, well, I know my 15-year-old grandson, been around his life all 15 years. He loves us. We love him. But now I got a new 11-year-old granddaughter. I don't know what she likes. I don't know what she's about. How do I enter her world? They, they love her in every Christian sense of that term, but they're not yet able to know what it looks like to have a loving relationship with her. And that's even if the 11-year-old wants them to have a relationship with her. That's a, that's a whole nother factor. Do, does that child even care to be loved in a significant way or in the same way that the grandparent wants to love the child? We could go on and on with this. You can see real fast varying definitions of what love is and what love does and how it's going to mm -hmm. express itself between these blended family members can create, obviously, some conflict. Like, your idea doesn't match my idea. My eagerness to have a close, bonded relationship with you is not necessarily met with eagerness by the other person. Now what do we do? Um, the book that Gary and I wrote together, you know, his love language stuff, I mean, people are so familiar with that, and it's so profound. Um, we were friends for many years, and one day we were having dinner, and I said, I think we need to write a book together. And he said, well, okay, tell me more. And I said, well, everything you've written about the love language principles are fantastic, but it's all based on one assumption. And that is that the other person actually wants you to love them that way. Mm. I mean, think about that, you know, mm -hmm. knowing the love language of your husband or your wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I know how to connect with them. And of course they want you to love them in ways that are significant. Of course they want to receive your love and they want to feel connected to you. And so the, the principles work. But what if you're an eager step-parent <laughs> and you have a less than eager stepchild and mm -hmm. you've just learned their love language is physical touch and you go for a bear hug and they're like, sorry, I, I don't need that from you. All of a sudden, just because you know their love language does not mean you have the right or the ability 
to extend it, love him, love them in that way. All right, this is where love associations and definitions collide. And when people who are eager, big-hearted, uh, want the best and the most for their family, uh, step in with the best of intentions, they can inadvertently find themselves having conflict and confusion and like, what do I do now? And how do, how do I move forward with this? If you're a parent and you're, you're a step-parent and you're trying to love well and teach and train and well, what if you can't even figure out how to navigate the space? It becomes awkward. It becomes challenging. Maybe you feel a little rejected. All of that obviously influences how the family comes together over time. Hmm. Well, Ron, there are so many layers to this, and one of those additional layers could be a child's past. Mm -hmm. So how can their past impact how they emotionally bond with a new step-parent? Yeah, the past is always part of the present. That's true for every human being, adult or child. And when the past has had loss attached to it, it leaves a residue of pain, sadness, and hurt on our hearts. Let's imagine a child whose parent has passed away. All right, so dad's not here. I miss him like crazy, and I wish my dad were here. Mom's married this guy. He's a wonderful guy. He's nice to me. I see he does right by my mother. I love the way he provides and cares for us. Uh, he teaches the men's Bible class at 6 a.m. every Wednesday morning at church, and so I know he's an upstanding, godly kind of a guy. But, you know, I like him, but I'm not sure I love him. And if I love him, I'm going to feel guilty that maybe I'm somehow moving Dad out of his rightful place in my heart, mm. and I'm letting—that creates a conflict in a child's heart. So the pain of the past meets the a- ambiguity of the present— and I'm not sure where to put you. One of the things I like to tell parents and step-parents is think about parts. You know, you have a mom heart and you have a, uh, a wife heart. You know, that's the part of you that fits into those relationships. Well, children have a dad part and a mom part and nothing ever gets in the way of that. Nothing ever replaces it or takes its, you know, it moves it out if you will. So you can be the greatest stepfather in the world to this child that we're talking about, but you will not move dad out of that child's heart, even if dad's been deceased for a number of years. Of course not. And you shouldn't try. <laughs> you should respect dad's place in that child's heart. Your, your objective is to become an additional loving adult in the mm-hmm. child's life. When you sort of take that approach and look for the little spaces in that child's heart that they'll let you into, then you're going to find you're more successful. You feel like you're connecting on some level and you can move forward. But if you ignore dad's rightful place in that child's heart and life, uh, it's going to come back on you big time in a bad Mm. way. Um, It's really going to work against you rather than uh, on behalf of the new relationships. Mm, Yeah, that's very understandable. So how can this process divide the parent and the step-parent? Well, there's a number of ways uh, that we see that getting played out. Let's imagine the biological parent, in this case, um, a mom, so eager for her new husband and her children to get along. Of course she is. She wouldn't have married the guy. She didn't think he was going to be some benefit or asset to to her children. And, and so her eagerness is, wow, honey, why aren't you like 
connecting with my son, daughter. How come you're holding back? Well, you know, I tried and, you know, it just didn't go well. And I'm still trying to navigate that terrain. And well, mom's eagerness to push people together actually works against them, figuring it out for themselves. Mom has to relax a little bit. Mom has to let go of that need in herself. And that's really what it is. And sometimes there's a sense of, well, I want you to replace what was. Let's imagine there was a divorce that preceded this blended family. And mom's need is for the stepdad to be the dad that the child never had. The bio dad really wasn't a great father, still isn't a great father. Now I need you to step up and fix what, you know, didn't go right. Well, wow, there's even more pressure, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling you that works against stepdad and child figuring out the territory for themselves. That also leads to one dynamic we call insiders and outsiders. And I'll, I'll try to be brief about this, but you get an idea real quick. So biological people are what we call insiders. So they're related by DNA, by history, by life experience. They've all lived through the hard, whatever the hard was of the past. The step people, step parents, step siblings are outsiders on day one. Meaning, here we are, now what do we do? <laughs> how do we, you know, how do we build this thing we call a family? And um, you guys have all these inside jokes, and I don't. I'm an outsider. You guys have systems and rules and patterns and parenting understandings between a, a, adult and child. I'm just beginning to figure all that stuff out. And then there's those moments where the step-parent tries to come in, and it seems to be blocked for whatever reason. And now it's like, oh, wow, I don't know that I'm ever going to find my way in. And that is a very lonely experience. All of us remember seventh grade and the in-group, and you were not a part of the in-group. You were an outsider. Like how hard it is to be hanging out there hoping and wishing but can't seem to find permission to enter in. Well, we want parent, bio-parent insider and step-parent outsider to work together to try to slowly – bring that step-parent into the parenting picture, into the child's life in a way that is palatable for the child. Relax is a word I find myself saying to these, uh, to parent and step-parent a lot. I know you really want this today. You got to relax and, and, uh, and work with the process. Don't inadvertently make it harder. Well, that is a really good segue into my next question because we get a lot of questions from parents. And one of the things I've noticed is that there is often a lot of frustration that they aren't seeing results after X amount of time. You know, mm. they've been faithful for months or years, but they haven't seen any lasting change in their kids or the circumstances around them. So for those parents who are doing the good and faithful work that you're talking about, what kind of expectations should these parents have for how quickly their family builds harmony and that sense of togetherness that you're talking about? I wish I could say, all right, it's going to take this amount of time. If you have this many kids, this age, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many variables there. Uh, Nobody can predict that. We do know in general that it takes uh, the average step family experience about five to seven years to sort of find their familiness, as I like to say, find their fit, have built some traditions and some memories. and, And people sort of know how to go about being family with one another. Now, somebody just heard that and went, five to seven years? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, that's just crazy. Like, why does it take? Yeah, no, that's not five to seven months. That's not mm-hmm. five to seven weeks. That's not five to seven days. That is years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
slow families, according to uh, one expert on this subject, says it can take nine or more years. W- what is that all about? Let me, let me just give you a metaphor to help people think about this process. And I don't want you to think how far along are we. I just want you to don't think in terms of time. I want you to think in terms of quality of relationship. So how do you cook a step family? Well, the answer is not with a blender. <laughs> and we call them blended families. But blenders have blades, and somebody's going to get hurt. We don't want to use a blender. That's an interesting um, point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's microwave is another little metaphor that people will sometimes they zap this thing. You know that the microwave mentality looks like this. I know I'm not your mom, but you could call me mom. That's a microwave move. All right, I'm going to zap you into loving me, liking me, receiving me, accepting me, just like mom should be received. Guess what? Doesn't work. As a matter of fact, that sort of tends to make children bristle and pull away rather than move toward. It feels pressuring. So quick, fast strategies of cooking your family don't work. What does work is the crockpot approach. Crockpots work on time, right? A little bit of heat over an extended period of time. Everybody understands this metaphor. Just immediately you, you put something in the crock pot before heading out for your day and eight hours later you got dinner. It's awesome. It is the way to go. It is not, however, an Instapot. <laughs> it's just <laughs> nothing fast about it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking food and you're one day, that's fine. When you're talking relationships and family and connectedness and trust, that's a long period of years, perhaps, to grow into that space. But notice what's happening in your family crockpot. Ingredients will all cook in their own way, in their own timing. Carrots and potatoes and beef and celery and spices all cook at a different rate, different pace. Some quickly, some slowly. But essentially what's happening with all of them is the same. They are warming up, they are softening, and then they are sharing of themselves. That's what happens in a blended family if you can be patient with the process. You may have a 15-year-old stepchild who is just hard and bristled and cold. There's nothing warm about them, nothing soft about them. It's a tough road. And what you're going to do is you're going to meet that ingredient where it is. You cannot push them, force them, yell at them, scream at them. That will not help them soften. As a matter of fact, that will make them harden even more. So you've got to be a trustworthy person. You've got to hang out. You've got to find little points of connection. You've got to let the hard work of parenting be done by their biological parent, not by you. Uh, and, and those, those, uh, all of those approaches magnified over time can add up to, no guarantees, but can add up to and generally do a softening of the ingredient. And then they begin to connect. Then they begin to move toward you in ways that make sense to them. Nobody pushed them, forced them, or demanded it from them. And it's genuine at that point. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, this mentality is 
it's a game changer for a lot of people. I've been teaching it for close to 30 years now. And I get so much feedback from people who say, you know, boy, that was a game changer. I used to come in and just be so disappointed with our home or critical of my husband for not connecting with my kids quicker, faster, whatever. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, we're still simmering. <laughs> it's okay. We're not, we're not supposed to be done yet. We're, I need to relax. I need to trust the Lord is working. And I just need to keep doing the right thing in the next moment and trusting that that adds up to something. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, notice what happens, guys. When a parent, adult, step-parent, whoever, both of them, when everybody sort of relaxes and, and lets go of the agenda, now I can see this child for who they are. Now I can receive what they have to give, and, I, and I'm not walking around disappointed over what they didn't give me that I wished for. But now I realize we got something. It's not, a, it's not everything, and, and thankfully we're not done cooking. So there's mm -hmm. more to come. But there, I'm getting a little bit already. Let's just go with that. That's that low heat mentality over time adds up to a genuine connection. If there's adult children in the household uh, on the day one when you get married, this still applies. They may live in another state, have their own family, their own career. Guess what? You don't get a lot of cooking time with them. That's going to slow things down. Maybe you have children who every other weekend and six weeks in the summer hop into another pot. And they have another crock pot and they have more ingredients over there they're trying to connect with and bond with and figure out how to do life over there. And then they come back into your pot. Every one of those little factors either helps or uh, slows it down a little bit. It is what it is. The point is find your connection points. Keep trusting that doing the right thing in the next moment eventually adds up over time into something that is good to eat. Mm -hmm. What a great analogy. I, absolutely. So much wisdom in that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our parenting uh, responses could be just relax. <laughs> let, yeah. let the Lord do in the Lord's time what's going to happen. Instead of us trying kids. to force yeah. things. That's yeah. right. Changing the hearts of children. <laughs> right? That's right. That's yes. right. I, yep. Katie, and I, let me just go another step with that. Uh, relax and do what? It's not that you're going to relax mm. and sit cold. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, there's got to be a little bit of heat. So you're going to be intentional in ways that are helpful. So, for example, let me just give you an example of low heat mentality, okay? Um, we, I draw an analogy here. We tell couples all the time, husband and wife, go out on a date and spend some time together, get away from the kids, decompress, you know, invigorate your relationship a little bit. Yeah, we all understand that. We call that compartmentalizing your marriage for the sake of your coupleness. We want you to do the same thing in a blended family. The first few years, it's really important to do, and it's compartmentalize your coupleness, go on on date on a regular basis, but you can also, bio parents, compartmentalize time with your biological children because that reminds the kids, no, you haven't lost me completely. Yes, I'm married now. Yes, I have other commitments. Yes, there's other step children in this household or your step siblings, my stepchildren, other more, more people I've got to try to connect with and figure out. All of that means you and your child have less time together. It does. It, it means you have a little less focus together. It, that's true. But son or daughter, you haven't lost me completely because we still have our Thursday afternoon go get ice cream after school thing. And we haven't lost that little connection. So you compartmentalize time with your children. And here's the irony of that. When kids experience their biological parent, you st I still have you. You're still here. Obviously, uh, some things have changed, but not everything has changed. That actually softens their heart, ready for this, toward the step-parent. Because mm -hmm. I don't have to compete with you, step-parent, for this time with my dad. 
You see the irony there. It's when the bio parent moves toward their children, it helps children move toward the step parent at the end of the day, not immediately. Often it's much later in terms of development, but it leads to that because we don't have to compete for dad. I have dad. I have some of dad. You have some of dad. Okay, we're finding our place in this new family mix. That's, that paradox is so helpful over time. Um, that's just one example of sort of low heat mentality. Again, magnified over time. You find that you're making more progress instead of less. Hmm. Yep, absolutely. We have found that for sure. That's one thing I learned years ago when I went to the event that you invited me to, Ron. Uh, with Ronnie's boys, it seemed like we were always doing everything together with mm. them. And when we left your conference, I said, you need to start setting aside some time just mm. to spend with just your boys. And so he has been making it a priority to do that more. And it's wonderful. It's, it's uh, such great advice. And Ginger, I have to compliment you as the stepmom for blessing that in him. You know, sometimes step parents are feeling disconnected, left out. Well, if he goes spend time with his boys, what am I doing over here? You know, am I chopped liver? You know, like, no, this is not a statement of your importance. This right. is a statement of their need to just connect with dad in light of all that's changing around them. You're actually going to get more of your husband, not less, because you give them that space and, and bless right. that relationship. So yeah. good, good for you. Well, thank you for telling me that at your conference. <laughs> so I, I, we had never thought about that. We thought, well, let's just do everything together. But man, it was just that was really good advice that has mm. gone over very well in our family. Um, okay, so in your book, we talked a little bit about your book, Building Love Together in Blended Families with Dr. Gary Chapman. Um, you outlined seven blended family principles for mm. loving well. And so as we're coming to the end of our show, I don't know that we have time to thoroughly talk about each one. So listeners, you guys will just have to get the book. But Ron, <laughs> can you give us uh, maybe just a brief summary of those principles? Yeah, actually, we've sort of hinted on a couple of them already. The first one is blended families are not born with a sense of familiness. You have to build mm -hmm. it and create it. And the second principle is patience is a virtue because it's a process to get to that familiness. And we just talked about that. Time effort, moving in the right direction, eventually adds up to something. The third principle is a committed, loving marriage is the first and last motivator for children to embrace the family as it is. Uh, this one is sort of intuitive on the, on the surface. The first motivator, yeah, if you didn't fall in love as parent and future step-parent, then there would be no blended family, and the kids wouldn't even have to figure out how to be part of this family. So obviously, it's the first motivator. But even in a worst-case scenario where you have a child, for example, who, who just doesn't like it, doesn't want it, wishes things could go back in time, and it just refuses to embrace mom's marriage to this man, you know, whatever the scenario is, however the, the child is, and they're just closed to the whole notion of it. The marriage is the thing that gives the child some motivation to figure it out. If if this child looks up at mom and says, you know, mom's the one I really care about here. Um, stepdad, I could take or leave him. Um, but mom is committed to this man. Like, she's made it clear. And by her actions, by her words, the way she supports him, the way they talk together, the way they spend time together, the way they look at each other, I can tell it's not going away. I'm going to have to figure this out if I'm going to be a part of this family. The marriage at the end of the day is so important. Another thing I would say is this whole 
crockpot journey, the marriage is the thing that carries the weight of that journey. You're the ones who have to figure out how to, do you zig or do you zag? We got this kid who's acting this way, but we got this kid, we don't know what to do with that one. You and I got to be a team. Let's figure that stuff out. The marriage carries the weight of the journey to become a family. And so if the marriage gets put on the wayside, if the marriage is struggling, then you're going to have a hard time seeing your blended family develop into some harmony. So at the end of the day, it starts with your marriage and it hangs on your marriage. And so if you're going to make a mistake, don't make the mistake of, of letting your marriage go by the wayside. So, Ron, I think we still have a few more minutes left, and this is just so insightful what you're sharing. So how about uh, you just continue on there and tell us maybe about one or two more of those principles? Well, we've talked a little bit about loss, complicating the bonding process for children. That already came up as well. Um, Parenting is a team sport. I don't care what kind of family you're in. (laughs) we got to try to be on the same team and work together, but we do have to figure out the rules. And that turns out to be a very significant journey for couples in blended families. If couples in first marriages fight about money and sex, couples in blended family marriages fight about parenting. It is a significant dividing line. And so you got to work at it. And um, I know we could probably spend some time talking about that and unpacking lots of details around it. But let me just leave it with this for now to say that um, finding ways to help each other win (laughs) Biological parents have such a different relationship with their own children than step-parents do that you have to figure out ways of bringing one another together. That insider bio-parent has advantages and opportunities that the step-parent as an outsider doesn't always have. So finding ways to be the team, even though you have very different positions or postures with the children, means work. It means talk. It means conversation. It means, oops, that didn't go too well. Let's regroup and figure out what we do next time. You know, not, you know, not completely coming apart because of a mistake, but learning from it. Like, that's just the parenting journey. And, and parents and step-parents got to be committed to being a team. Otherwise, it's probably going to be divide and conquer time. <laughs> mm, <laughs> now, one, one, other really tip good. one other tip I'll leave people with is um, don't walk away too soon. I mean, I, I know this... It just needs to be said, because I think for a lot of people, there is a point of discouragement and they just don't know what to do about their marriage, about their family. And it just seems like, you know what, it's easier to go back to where we were. You know, when Moses and the Israelites left Egypt, I think they got three days into the journey before the Israelites began to complain and say, you know, Egypt's looking pretty good right now. We're out here with nothing. We don't have nowhere to go. We got Pharaoh's army hunting us down. We got a big sea on one side, an army on the other side. We're completely trapped. We have no hope. Egypt's looking great right about now. Moses' response was, stand firm, and Hmm. you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Those are moments of trust. Those are moments of saying, no, 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 we're not going back. We are going towards the promised land. You got to have that dedication in those tough moments so that you can ride it through. I don't know what the Lord's going to do to divide the sea and let you walk through. I don't know what amazing opportunities he'll create for us in our families or for you in your exact situation. But I do know if you go back to Egypt, there is no promised land. Hmm. And so trust God and keep going. 
Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Ron. What do you have for us today? <laughs> well, this I think is pretty intuitive for people. Be really intentional. One of the low heat things you can do for your family crockpot is just be very intentional to have rituals of connection. Now, biological parent and children come in with a whole lot of rituals. They've Friday night pizza forever. Like, that's their thing. They've got that figured out. Nobody even has to tell them to do it. They know what to do. The hard part is sort of working new step-parents, step-siblings into that, and also finding an opportunity for everybody to adapt into somebody else's little ritual of connection. It may be that mom and her kids have one set of rituals. Dad and his kids have another set. So we got to explore those and find something new that everybody enjoys. And whatever that is, keep doing it. Uh, Rituals of connection are basically something you do that's fun, that's engaging, that's energizing, that you feel connected with one another. It could be as simple for husband and wife as a kiss in the morning or a kiss late at night or after you walk, come home at the end of the day. That's a little ritual of connection. Find those little, little moments, those little connecting points with child A, B, C, D, and when you find it, especially you step parents, when you find it, just keep going back to that over and over and over. That little touch point, it gives you a smile. That's how you know it's working. It gives them a little smile. It may feel very insignificant today, but in a crock pot, <laughs> over time, it adds up to a lot. That means I have to go back to giving my uh, oldest stepson back scratches. That's his thing. That's what <laughs> makes him smile. That was our connection right off the bat. Those back you got scratches. It. You got <laughs> He's it. never That's too it. old for them. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Ron, what a blessing to have you on our show today. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your books and your ministry? Well, I work with the Ministry of Family Life. Our division's called Family Life Blended. So look up our podcast, look us up online. You can also go to my website, smartstepfamilies.com. There you're going to be able to get connected to everything I've got a hand in from um, reading materials to video materials, live events, virtual events, podcasts. Everything is available at your fingertips there. Ron, it's a shame you don't work very much, apparently. (laughs) 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 But listeners, as usual, all of these resources we will have links to in our show notes where you can find those easily. Well, Ron, how about leaving our listeners with a final word of encouragement today? Hmm. You know, the step family journey for a lot of people is not what they imagined or what they dreamed that it would be. But that doesn't mean it's without promise. I think the promises of God are that he is with us uh, at all times. Even the Israelites, come to think of it, in their moments of distress, when they gave up on the process and they gave up on God, he stayed with them. He kept leading. He kept guiding. And there was a day where they crossed over into that promised land. It just took a whole lot longer than they anticipated. But they got there. I I want blended family couples to hang on to that promise. Thank you so much, Ron and Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that many other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. 
Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.